We need no other hiding place Our hope is safe within your name This we know This we know You promise never to forsake What you began you will sustain This we know Yes, we know I will call upon the Lord For He alone is strong enough to save Rise, your shackles are no more For Jesus Christ has broken every chain All of the heavens and the earth Announce the fullness of your worth This we know This we know And every enemy will flee As we declare your victory This we know Yes, we know. I will call upon the Lord, for He alone is strong enough to save. Rise, your shackles are no more, for Jesus Christ has broken every chain. shackles are no more for Jesus Christ has broken every chain Jesus name will break every stronghold Freedom is ours when we call His name. Jesus' name above every other. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Jesus' name will break every stronghold. Freedom is ours when we call His name. Jesus' name above every other. All hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name. will call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to save rise your shackles are no more 
For Jesus Christ has broken every chain. I will call upon the Lord, for He alone is strong enough to save. Rise, your shackles are no more, for Jesus Christ has broken every chain. Has broken every chain. Amen, Lord, we just praise you that um, through Jesus Christ we have the victory. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Meet Billy. In five years, Billy will have spent 605 days sleeping and two and a half full days brushing his teeth, hopefully. He will have sat in traffic for nine full days. Billy hates traffic. And in five years, he will have spent 433 days working. Social media will have taken up 152 consecutive days of his life. He will have walked 3,000 650 miles and spoken 29.2 million words, hopefully good ones. In five years, Billy will have spent 76 days eating and drinking. Billy loves dessert. Two and a half years out of the five will be spent consuming media with 228 days spent watching TV. Billy is messy. He will have spent 152 days cleaning. And in five years, he will have spent roughly $40,000 on food, 40 days shopping, and 50 days socializing with the homies. Welcome to you in five years. So that's going to be our opening um, for the next couple weeks here. And good to see everybody here. You survived the first week of 2000, what is it, 21? Right, so congratulations, you, you uh, figured that out. All right, so let's take a look here. We're going to look at some of our prayer requests uh, today. Today I'm just going to, um, we've been doing the, the uh, Unite 714 prayer. I challenge you to continue to do that, um, but I'm just going to pray extemporaneously today. I just kind of need to, to focus on God, right? Um, and not saying we don't with that way, but some, sometimes we just need something. We just got to kind of pray out of where we are, right? Um, but we do have some prayer concerns uh, to lift up. I know Jennifer Legello asked for prayers for Benjamin as he's moving on to campus at Lancaster Bible College next Sunday, right? Um, so we want to pray for him. Um, continue to pray for uh, Catherine Reeves, Bobby Burke. I saw Bobby here. Bobby's um, mother who had um, surgery and is in the hospital. Um, hip Broke a hip, right? And so we want to lift her in prayers. Uh, prayers for Carol Henson's um, Son-in-law's brother, Greg Harvey, we lifted him up last week. He had a brain tumor um, when they found it with an MRI. He was transferred to uh, University of Penn, had surgery this week, and um, uh, he is home now, but play, pray for continued healing as they wait for biopsies and results of other kinds uh, for, for uh, pathology and other kinds of things. Um, keep in mind, he's very young in his, um, in his 30s, I believe, and his um, father also passed away 
with, um, with a brain tumor several years ago. So we want to continue to lift that family in your prayers. Um, also, Holly Kip asked for prayers for co-workers' health and full-time employment there. And continue to lift um, all those others who are on our prayer list um, in, your, in your healing. And for also for those who are dealing with COVID, that is still very real. And around um, for um, Paris Foundation, continue those in your prayers. And, um, and all, all other prayers that we can lift up. Continue to keep um, Haiti, our church in Haiti. And they are continuing rolling along and planning on getting into their new building um, that we were able to help uh, do some things with. And so we're, we're excited for them. And we pray that God will continue to bless them as well. All right? Um, a couple, so just continue to lift those prayers, particularly as we know that school, many schools are talking about opening back up. And I know that's a lot of, a lot of stuff for people. We know that's an up and down. Pray for parents who are dealing with all the kinds of things as well. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we come to you today. We thank you. It's hard to believe it's another, another Sunday and another week went by. And so, God, we just need to experience you today. We need to um, experience your presence and to see who you are, to understand um, uh, what we need to know from you, what we need to seek from you, and, um, and just lead us in that, God. And for that, in all things, we want to give you praise. We ask for these on our prayer list, on our prayer requests, for those who are healing, for those who are struggling with all kinds of sicknesses, infirmities, and all kinds of other things. God, we ask that you, we know that you took those up. Um, I, I would be remiss if we, we didn't lift up those in prayers which we spent a whole month or so uh, dealing with, with um, hope for mental health. Let us not forget the numbers of, um, of mental health situations and uh, things that are skyrocketing, depression and other things. God, just be, just be a comfort to some, so many people. For that, God, um, we just ask for you to make a way. We recognize that um, you are, although it may seem like um, this world is absolutely crazy, and we're going to go ahead and say it really is, um, but God, we know that you hold everything in your hands. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's mighty name. Everybody says, amen. Amen. I do want to lift up one other thing. Um, received a card, Haven Church. Thank you for all the many prayers, cards, phone calls, visits, and food. I appreciate each of you reaching out uh, to me um, and uh, or Gary. There's a huge void in my life without him, but um, he's no longer in pain. He's at peace. So this is from Liz Ashby um, in Gary's passing. Um, and we, we definitely lost one here on earth who, who loved a lot of people. A uh, couple other things is our Haven Sunday School. Um, tomorrow you can begin to register for our Sunday School. It was great having the kids around and, and everything last week, and so we're hoping to, to um, maybe do that a little bit more, but we've been, been working that in, and that's good stuff. So uh, registration begins tomorrow as well as it does for church. Um, again, if you're facing a crisis, um, we have our Stephen Ministers, but also we have Grief Share, and this... Uh, 2020 has been a year of a lot of loss for many people, and so Grief, grief Share um, is available, and it's a 13 weeks. It's going to be done via Zoom and in person, and I'll start 6.30 on uh, January 18th, which is a week from tomorrow, and if you'd like to connect with that, um, you can connect with Zoom, or um, also you can connect here in uh, Donna Wiggum. You can have contact there, or you can get uh, to stephen Ministry at havencc.org, or if you need some specific, you can go to info at havencc.org, and we'll make sure they connect you to the right place. And the Paris Foundation, um, the 17th, which is next week, also um, 70 dinner bags for the Paris Foundation next week, and they delivered up in Elkin from 3.30 to, and 4, and um, there are several different things. Please go ahead, and one sandwich, bag of chips, 
bottle of water, fruit, cup, or fruit juice, such as orange, cookies and something sweet, napkins and utensils, um, and then just uh, provide that in a Ziploc gallon-sized bag, and that would be great. So if anybody would like to connect to that, I know you guys will help them connect to it, and um, we can, we, you can register to do that online. All right? So that's uh, pretty much the announcements right now. And, um, and so, hey, everybody feel good about the new year? Okay. <laughs> but who, all right, let's put it behind us today. And you're excited because I got some things up here today, right? You're wondering, what is he going to do, all right? So, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and we're going to talk. We're continuing our series. And again, you have your bulletin here. Um, some don't like to get the regular bulletin, so we cut back a little bit on that. But um, if you want, you can take your phone out. You go ahead and take your camera. You push on it. Boom, you have it. You have it digitally. And you can have it right there for you if you would like that copy. Um, that's up to you. It's right there. All right. Um, so we're going to have that, but we are in our series, second week of our series, our who, who are you in five? We were talking about how at the beginning of the year, a lot of people like to do New Year's resolutions, and we always look to uh, the 12 months of the year. How many of you made a New Year's resolution last year? Anybody make it in, in the beginning of 2020? Anybody? Anybody make these resolutions anymore? Or you just, anybody give up? Anybody just give up on it? Okay. Anybody make one this year? Okay, <laughs> no, we got some people who said, why bother, right? Um, but so what I started to think about is that one year, as you can see, can throw everything off. But what about if we took who do we want to be in five years? We really want to go ahead and look at who, we're, who we can be in five years. And so let's take a look at some of this. So um, the title of today's message is called Crisis Change. How many of you like crisis? Okay, good. All right, so uh, what we're going to do, we're going we're, to share three passages from uh, around, uh, one, we're going to find one of three passages that we're going to share today from 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to talk about a person named Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha, not with a J, but with a Sha, okay? That's what we have. Um, and he eventually becomes a prophet. Elijah, with a J, actually... Um, is known as the mightiest prophet. He did lots of things. He did um, major miracles. Um, And God told Elijah that Elisha was going to replace him. Now, I get it. I think God did that to confuse us for all centuries. He could have named him Bart, but he didn't. Like, this is you're going to follow you. His name's Bart. But no, they had to pick this guy named Elisha um, and... We're confused forever. But he's going to seek out Elisha. Elijah is going to seek out Elisha. And he's going to be part of his team. And he's going to be a prophet. So what I'm going to do right now, I have the scriptures in your bulletin. So that's what I said. If you wanted to QR, hit that. That's fine. Um, I'm going to read these. Then I'm going to kind of go back and unpack them. And then we're going to go to some other ones. Okay? Is that good? Good? All right. Here we go. So let's look at this. So he departed from there. And found Elisha, son of Shaphat. I know all of you are wondering, who is his dad? I need to know who Elisha's dad is. And there you go, it's Shaphat. Now you can all rest because uh, you know that his dad is named Shaphat. All right? Um, and Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Hold on to that. And then he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha 
turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people. They ate, and he, then he arose, and he followed Elijah and became his servant. This is a very weird story, am I correct? Good, I'm not the only one. So, number one, you got one thing answered. Who's his daddy? Shaphat. There we go. Shaphat. Now, Elisha was doing what when Elijah came by? He was plowing. With what? Twelve yoke of oxen. You guys should be like, oh, what? Let me try it again. Twelve yoke of oxen. There we go. And the reason why you should be shocked by that is you see oxen in the day were the top farming equipment. So it is like he had the biggest, the baddest John Deere tractor or combine, and he had 12 of them that were there. Or it could have been a really souped-up farm, kind of like one of those truck commercial trucks, like F-150s or Dodge, right? You know what I'm talking about? Those ones that are like 60 grand. He had 12 of them rolling along through there. So what I am telling you is they were very expensive. So what do you learn about Elisha? He was what? He had some bank. He was extremely wealthy. How big of a property does he need to have 12 combines plowing it? He's got a lot and a lot of money. So that means that Shaphat Farms, or is really Shaphat Enterprises, and Elisha is the heir to Shaphat Enterprises. That's what he was there for. He was going to take over. He was going to be in charge of all this one day. And that's a huge deal. It's a huge responsibility. It's a big calling. And you know what? Some of you may be called to that big calling in business so that you're able to help God and others provide in ways that other people can't. And so God may have placed you in that area. So then we have, here he is. What is he doing? He's on, where, where is he at? He's an oxen at Shaphat Enterprises Farms. He's rolling along. He's plowing away, right? And Elijah does what? Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Now, his coat, all right? So here you go. You have Elijah. He's, he's rolling along. He's looking for Elisha. Elisha is... Plow, 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 just doing what he does. All of a sudden, Elijah walks by and goes, throws his coat on him. Here's Elisha. Thanks, but I really wasn't cold. You know, I mean, he throws this, his coat on him, and it says, he says he walks by him. It's like he kind of went and threw it on him. Is this not weird? Anybody else weirded out by this? Okay. So, Elijah walked for four days, we know, he walked for four days to take his coat and do a drive-by throw-on <laughs> to a guy who has a very similar name than him that he's never met before. Anybody really weirded out by the story now? I am. So, now, for Elisha, he would have known Elijah because Elijah was the prophet. He was the bad dude. He would do like, 
he did some awesome things. He was like on the Mount Rushmore of, of Judaism next to Moses, all right, and Abraham. He's the man. This guy was so awesome that one time he said, hey, it ain't going to rain till I say it's going to rain. And guess what? It didn't rain. That's a bad guy. He's got some power and some influence. And he just throws this, like, Elijah, oh, is that Elijah? Oh, thanks. And then he just walks by him. It was very, very odd. Let me share with you in modern-day terms, sort of modern-day terms, exactly what's coming on. It was a symbolic gesture from Elijah that was basically like him. Any Star Wars fans here? It was basically like he came up to him and gave him a lightsaber and said, come follow me to Dagobah system, young Padawan. You see what I mean? Now you're getting it, right? That's what that symbol was in what he did. And so, again, he's plowing, and all of a sudden, boom, throws this on him. It was an unpaid internship he was offering him. But it was a chance to be under Elijah's authority. And he's basically saying this. One day you follow me, then you too will be a Jedi, is what he's really saying. So Elisha knew what was being offered him when he threw the coat on him. Because it says in verse 20 that Elisha left the oxen. I don't know whether they're still plowing in the field and he just took off. Left them and ran for Elijah. Ran for him. This guy did the drive-by. He went and grabs him. And was like, yes! And he said, wait, 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 wait a second. Let me first go kiss mom and dad. And then I'm going to follow you. You see, Elisha understood what was going on here. Remember what I said Elisha was in charge of? He was supposed to be in charge of Shaphat Farms and Enterprises. He was, in this action, he is walking away from everything he ever knew just to take on the mantle of what Elijah had promised. From there, For an unpaid inter- internship, he is walking away from all of the wealth and everything that he had right there. So he's kissing the life that he knew completely away. And he's trading it for a future to follow Elijah, whose life was impressive, but very unsteady. What do you mean, Jack? Well, Elijah, we, we, we love Elijah and we know about it, but we know that Elijah called down fire from heaven, right? Um, but be, and, he, and he also said it's not going to rain. But between it's not going to rain and fire from heaven, his life was not so great. There were years where he lived in hardship. At one point, he was hanging out, living at a brook. We would call him homeless. He was hanging out there, and he had nothing to eat, and guess what he did? He was fed by ravens. I'm not talking about Baltimore ravens. They're in the middle ready for a game. He was fed by ravens. It basically was DoorDash or Uber Eats before it ever happened. It was like raven's reward. I don't know. But it was a raven delivery service that twice a day, they would show up and bring him food. And one day, you can see he's out there by the brook and just kind of like, I'm hungry. Oh, is that a cheeseburger? Right, you know, ah, here's some chips. I'm just flying along. That's kind of odd. But guess what? 
He did that. He said, wait a second, is that a Wawa Sizzly for breakfast? I don't know. You know, he's having this experience that happens. And I'd say after a while, you know, like after God's provisions, we tend to get a little cocky. And he's probably like, you know, probably like looks up and goes, hmm, uh, man, I hope he's bringing me some Twinkies. And he's up there. He's like, drop that sucker from 30 feet. Let me get it. There you go. Thank you, Carl. You know, which you probably named the bird too, you know. But what I'm saying is that was one of his deals. How many of you would like to depend on birds to bring your food today? I bet she was like, see you at 5.30, Myron. I'll be back for dinner. Elijah, then from there, after living on the brook, he probably says, hey, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to a hotel. God wants me to go to a hotel. No. God said, hey, I want you to go stay with a widow at Zarephath. Now, the problem is, Zarephath is in the middle of the territory of the people that Elijah had offended. And in the midst of offending them, he offended their gods and Baal as well. And God says, hey, remember those people who hate you? I want you to go live surrounded by them. And I want you to go to this widow's house. So he goes to this widow's house. And when he meets her, she's emaciated. She looks like she's about ready to starve to death. As a matter of fact, when she meets him, she tells him, I am actually planning on dying later today. I'm going to eat my one last meal because I don't have much, over, much left. And it's over. And you know what Elijah's response to her was? When, she has, when the cupboard's bare and she's dying, you know what he says? Go make me some pancakes. That's pretty much what he says. Oh, make me a meal. And he stayed with her through the famine, and God did not let her starve. All right? But what I'm saying is, he had this amazing knack for miraculous, but he lived in hardship. Elisha knows full well the life that he's going to take on. He knows that God is going to probably use him dramatically, but hardship and difficulty and opposition... And uncertainty is going to flow into his life like it never did at Shaphat Enterprises. You see, it was easy there. It was easy. He knew what he had to do in the morning. He got up and he did that. So he knows what's going to happen and he accepts it right on the spot. So Elijah responds, go back again for what have I done to you? Now, what does that mean? It means, yeah, go kiss mom, go kiss dad. Make sure you think twice before you know what you're signing up for. Verse 21, Elisha turned back from him and obviously kisses his mom. That's what he means, turn back from him. And then he took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and chose to follow Elijah and become his servant. Now, what, he, what Elijah had said to him, it's kind of confusing, right? Elijah, Elisha. But what Elijah had said to Elisha was if you go kiss mom and dad, make sure you know what you're giving up. Make sure you know where you're headed into. And Elisha does something that's really incredible. Kisses mom and dad, but he doesn't stop there. He turned around. And remember, what, he, what was he doing again when Elijah showed up? Plowing. Behind his oxen. And what did he do? He said, I'm not going back. And he took and he killed the oxen. And he took the, the plow and everything he was using, broke it and made it a fire and killed and cooked the oxen on there and invited people for a feast and said, I'm never going back. It kind of reminds us of, of his, his life and how he decides to follow Elijah at whatever, at whatever he wants him to do. Kind of reminds us of the old Cortez burn the ships, if anybody's heard that, when Gertes, and they, they came on the ships and were in the new world, and he said, they were complaining and wanting to go back, and he made them set all the ships that got them there on fire to say, no, we're making a commitment here. 
And guess what? We're either going to make it or we're going to die here. That's pretty much what Elijah was saying to Elijah. So he gave this all up. He's a pretty strong statement. And so he becomes Elijah's servant. And what does he do? Does he really like, is he like his personal assistant and like has meetings and, and sets up like, like revival times and healing times and miracle stuff? No, no, no. The, the text, this one text next tells us that he became a servant and what he did. Are you ready? You want to hear what he did? Now this is 18 years. He did this for 18 years. 18 years. All right. So for 18 years, pretty long time, right? Okay, so for 18 years, here's what he does. Are you ready to see it? In 2 Kings 3.11, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. That's all he did for 18 years. Does that sound like anybody wants to sign up for that? You want to be the Purex person? You want to be the little person with the, you know, the hand sanitizer? That's what he did. So when Elijah is having his meet and greets, shaking hands with people, maybe Elijah's a germaphobe. He, Elijah comes up and he goes, thank you. 18 years of that. What did he leave behind? Shaphat Enterprises. You think over that 18 years that he would have been the ruler, somebody there? And all he did for Elijah was wash his hands. Now, I don't know about you, but there'd be a lot of times in that 18 years where I'd be grumbling. Wash your own stinking dirty hands. Right? The heck, i got to wash your hands for I don't want to wash your hands. I didn't, you, you forgot where I was. I was, I was to be the heir to Shaft Fat Enterprise. Maybe I should go back. He never went back. That's all we get for 18 years. He's washing his hands. It says he poured water on the hands of Elijah. This was his life. 18 years. Right? 18 years. He could have, he might have thought, I could have been somebody. But he was somebody. How many times during those 18 years? Did he say, what, no sermon? No miracle? Just a roll in the background or cleaning your dirty hands? But then we learn in this next kind of twist that Elijah hears from God that his time's numbered. That God's saying, hey, guess what? You're going to go to heaven. And he decides to let Elijah go. I'm not going to be here for long. Elijah's probably like, well, that stinks, but I don't have to wash his hands anymore. I mean, that's all I learned how to do is wash hands. What am I going to do? So he takes him off with him to a solitary place and um, as he was going to go to heaven, and they had to cross a river first. So they're coming up to a river, and after 18 years, they get to the river. I'm sure maybe in the first two years when they got to a river that Elisha probably said, hey, do you want me to build a bridge? Do you want me to like get some rocks and throw some stones? And he's like, no, just wash my hands. He's like, I'll, I'll keep the other stuff. You just wash my hands. So here they go. They come to a river, and Elijah is there, right? And here's what it says. He comes to the edge of the river, and he took his jacket off again. Something about this jacket, right? And you would think, oh, I can see Elijah. Well, maybe he's going to, like, step on it or something. And he comes to the river. He looks around, and he goes... Anybody ever done that at the river with your coat? Here we go. That's it. And the water splits. That's a pretty hard hit, am I right? He hit the water. It splits with this mantle, the one that he threw over Elisha to get him to follow. And that's what begins to happen. 
And so here's what it says. When they had crossed, Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken for you? And look at what Elijah says. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will be not. Nothing is really simple with this Elijah guy, is it? Everything is like a mystery. Like, well, if you see me, then maybe it'll be granted. Uh, like, and if not, huh, keep washing hands. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not something that is just simplistic here for him. And as they're walking along and talking together, all of a sudden, ready for this next part of it, all of a sudden, a chariot of fire with horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now stop. I don't know whether Elijah was like, oh, they're on fire. Let me go ahead and get that water that I washed hands with and put it out. I don't know what he was doing. But they're walking along, talking, and all of a sudden, whew, here comes this fiery chariot with fiery horses. Elijah gets in on the hot seat, and then shoom, he's out in the whirlwind. <laughs> okay? Anybody following this with me? And that's how he goes to heaven. I mean, I think I would like to go to heaven that way, too. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be kind of cool? Like you're just hanging out, and all of a sudden, yeah! <laughs> like, woo! Okay? Um, that might be cool. But I'd like to do it. So, we know that, we, one thing we know, we know that Elijah was messing with Elisha. Remember what he said? What do you want to ask? Oh, if you see me when I go. If you see him, you had to be blind and not hear and not see and not know and whatever. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. If you missed a fiery chariot with fiery horses. It's like, here he is and in fuego, he's gone. And Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. I find it interesting that after 18 years, Elisha just washing hands when he could have been the owner of Shaphat Enterprises. He was grieved because Elijah was not there anymore in his spirit. And it says, And Elisha saw him no more. And he took hold of his garment. And he tore it in two. Why? Out of respect. To show honor and to show grief that he loved and missed Elijah. He was watching this whirlwind go by and the horses shoot off on Air Horse One. Think about it. Um, 18 years a slave and he was sad because he was gone. And then something happened. Notice what happens here. Elisha then picked up Elijah's coat, cloak that had fallen from him and went and stood back to the river Jordan. So let me take you again. Now, the horses, they're walking and talking. Horses going, yeah, takes off, right? He goes, and then all right. Okay. Not taking it back now, is he? And he took it. And what does it say? He went back to the river. Where was? Remember what his prayer was? That he would have a double portion of what Elijah had. You know, God granted him that request because Elisha did double the, double the miracles that Elijah did. Exactly double the miracles are recorded that Elijah did. 
He walks back and he goes, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And he struck it again and it separated. And people said, wow, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And it happened. So the title of my message today is simply this. I know you're getting nervous, but don't be. We're going to go on overdrive right now. I just want to set some stuff down. There are three movements that are in this, and there's a lot to talk about that help us get to where we need to be in the next five years. And so what I want to do, the title of this message, as I said, is called Crisis Change. And why? Because a crisis is an event that proves that we are capable of change. Anybody ever been through a crisis? Did it change you? Did you have to change during the crisis? Like, for instance, if, you got, if you're in the house and you wake up and all your pipes are, you have a pipe that's flooding the basement, are you just going to go, hmm, I always wanted a pool? What are you going to do? You're going to change your normal pattern of behavior to address the crisis, am I right? If you're sick and you go to the hospital or somebody you love goes to the hospital, you are stopping the world around you to do what you need to do to meet that crisis. Crisis causes us to change what's going on in our lives. So, for instance, think about this. Have you ever heard those stories when there's a car accident and a mom picks up a car? She doesn't just go out every day and time to work out, you know. No. Why do they lift the cars? Because there's a crisis. Her baby's in there and she's going to do something to get them out, right? Um, They have to rescue them. There's time and time again we have these. So what the question I want to ask is, if you had to do something, what would you do? Tony Robbins, you know him, guy with big jaw that talks? All right. He puts it this way, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Let me say it again. Change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Change hurts. Does anybody really like change? And guess what? That's why we don't change. It can, you know, and we're looking for the external crisis. And I challenge you, don't go ahead and create an external crisis in order to change. We need to begin to create internal crises or deal with these inside of us. Because this pain of staying where we are is, is opposed to the pain of what, uh, of, of staying, of change. We need to have less change pain and more uh, of staying the same. If we have more of staying the same, we need to make some change. You got that? Read what he said. All right. Um, so what I want to do is, in, I see in this text, in these passages, three different movements um, that will help us in the next five years. Okay, the first thing, are you ready? First thing is drastic action. Drastic action. To get to where we want to be, we need to take drastic action. And I'm going to tell you, I am not somebody who likes drastic action. I like things the same. Most of the time. When crisis happens, I'm good in crisis, and often I'm good in crisis because what I really like to do, I, 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 like I, I'm somebody who thrives in outward chaos. I am crushed by inward chaos, right? Just being honest here today, all right? I can lie to you, but I'm not going to. Um, so inward chaos affects me more than any kind of outward chaos. Something outward that's going on, I am like organizing, gathering, programming. That's what I'm doing. That's who I am. So to get to where we want to be, we need drastic action. Elisha demonstrated this drastic action when he lights up the fire and the yoke and cooks the oxen that he was plowing with. 
That is, like I said, that example from Cortez, burning the ships. So my question is, are you drastic in the actions that you're taking, or are you just consistently dismissing the pain that you have, staying where you are, saying you're going to get around to it next month? Well, next month I'm going to do this. Oh, I've always wanted to do this, and you're constantly not doing it because you haven't got fully to the point of that the pain to step out and do something drastic is less than the pain of what you're dealing with here. Or you're convincing yourself, I can't, I won't, it's not going to happen for me to do that. Because if I do, then it will cause this. And then when it has those things, you stay stuck. Anybody ever been stuck in your life? And the only way to get unstuck is if there is a crisis that comes in that causes you to dramatically change something, whether it's an inner or outer. So why is drastic um, action so necessary at the beginning? Remember last week we talked about the dominoes? We went from the little tiniest, we showed that video, to the giant one. We all want to knock down that big domino, but it doesn't go down unless we first push that first one. And when we push that first one, that means we are in the midst of a drastic change because that first one is what knocks over the massive ones in life it's that knocking over the first uh domino and it is drastic to knock anything over in your life when you knock something over it changes everything and you get questions are you serious when i left the united methodist church i had lunch with somebody he took me to lunch and he sat there and told me he goes are you losing your mind i said what do you mean he said you have a nice successful career, you're young, you could be superintendent, bishop, I've seen many people come through, you have what it takes for that. What is wrong with you? You know why it was a problem? Because I had a prime appointment in the United Methodist Church, the next thing was going to be a bigger appointment of several thousand member churches, and the next thing was superintendent, bishop, etc., etc. And so for me to knock over a domino to leave and to do something different made no sense to anybody. You will have questions like crazy when you change something. Has anybody ever just changed a career in the midst of life? Did anybody ask you a question, what are you doing? Did anybody just change the way you eat or something? You knock over something. Drastic action causes something to be different. And that's what's happened. You've got to light the fuse. You've got to have a spark in order to light the fire. He could have broken all the... All the um, the uh, yoke together, laid it there. It's never going to burn up unless he lit the fire in the first place. So we need drastic change. It's, the reason why we, we rarely get to that is something very simple. It's, it's hard by design for us to change. As a matter of fact, it's necessary to overcome what we call inertia. And inertia really impacts us. Anybody ever heard of the guy Sir Isaac Newton? Okay, Sir Isaac Newton kind of discovered the rules behind gravity and put them down, and he had a theory which had become known as the laws of motion. Okay, everybody hanging here with me? I didn't know all this stuff really well until I did some research. Now, the first law of, of, of motion, I think I have that here, don't I, Melinda? I think I might have it here. Um, objects will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change, those that compelled to change its state by the action of an external force. Everybody got that? Am I, am I creeping you out because we're talking about science stuff now here? All right. So the point is simply this, that everything in the universe wants to keep doing what it's always been doing. Everything. 
Everything wants to continue to do that. It does not like change, and everything is resistant to change. And that's what we call inertia. You know, inertia is actually the Latin for the word lazy. Everything in the universe is either idle or lazy. That, that makes some more sense when you ask your kids to clean the rooms, right? All right, so everything is lazy. It means like when you get a full meal and you're like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. Everything in the universe does not want to do anything different. Every object, everything is idle or lazy. And that makes so much sense because our default thing is always to stay the same. And by doing that, we don't want to move, we don't want to change. And so the first law of motion says objects will remain at rest. We'll stay there. Okay, they'll stay there. So what I want to do is I want to show you something here. Like I said, I feel like uh, Bill Nye, the science guy here, all right? All right, so I'm going to put this here right now. And I want to show you something. And I'll move this over here for a second. So what I have is, anybody know what I have here? A brick, all right? A brick. Okay, so this brick is going to help us out here today. Um, this brick is lazy. It's idle. If I leave it there... It will stay there forever. We come back a thousand years, it won't do anything. I say, Brick, what are your plans for today? Nothing, being a brick. Brick, are you going anywhere? Nope, I just like being here. I'm a brick. And um, so he has no plans, not going anywhere for thousands of years, unless I kick this over and gravity brings it down. Once it does, it'll hit the ground, and guess what it'll do after that? Nothing. It'll stay there forever. Why? Because everything in the universe is lazy and idle. Correct? And it spends so much energy being lazy and idle that, um, that it spends so much of its energy just being its brick self and keeping its brick. Now, I also have a hammer. You guys are excited now, aren't you? I have a hammer, and this hammer can bring force. With drastic action, I can move this brick. Correct? Well, who said I? Oh, are you scared? All right. So, because the brick has a good amount of mass here, and I can move it with this external force of the hammer. Now, the brick is spending so much of its mass to overcome its laziness and its inertia that not much of it gets transferred directly through. And that's why... I can do something really cool. I can take this hammer, and here I'm going to take off my watch, and I am going to put this brick on my hand, and I'm going to break this brick. Are you ready? He told me not to use this one, but I'm going to. All right, so you see this? The brick is using so much of its energy to be lazy. Ready? What? Ready? Are you ready? Nothing. Because the brick, did I change it? How did I change it? The external force occurred, and it didn't come through to my hand. Now, I know I got a little bit there, but it didn't come through. Why? Because it's spending so much to remain lazy. And so many of us want to remain so idle in our lives, we spend most of our energy just being like the rest of the universe and saying, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep on going and keep on moving. Okay? See, look. Anybody like that? Look, did I change it? Is the brick saying, ouch? 
No, the, what's the brick going to do? If I had to pick that up, where would it have done? Stayed there forever. Why? Because it's a brick, and everything in the universe stays that way. This is why it's so difficult to change your life. It's so difficult to change our lives for many different reasons. Um, because all the normal energy that we apply to change gets spent in overcoming our idleness and our contentness in life. And we never build up enough speed to transfer it anywhere else. That's why when we do something different, and we make a claim to live for Jesus each and every day, that we take this drastic action and say, I know what the rest of the world's doing, I know what the universe says, but I want to be different. And I want to take the step. That's why uh, for Elisha, it wasn't Shaphat Farms for him. It was, I'm going to take drastic action and do something completely different in that way. Number two. Everybody good with that one? Okay. Number two. Steady progression. Slow and steady wins the race. Correct? Remember that? 18 years. What was Elisha doing? Washing hands. 18 years. Pouring water. Drastic action. Tipped over the first domino. He just threw it down and was done. And then he did nothing but just every day, every day, every day, every day washing hands. Constantly and constantly doing that. Just being consistent in that. Doesn't look like much happened. Just pouring water, pouring water, pouring water, washing hands. Epictetus, the Greek philosopher, said, No great thing is created suddenly any more than a bunch of grapes or figs. If you tell me that you desire a fig, I answer you, there must be time. Let it first blossom, then bear fruit, then ripen. You see, whatever change you want that's dramatic and sudden and instant is not instantaneously visible. It's not going to be long-term sustainable. What's going to keep that going on and on is day in and day out. Keep sowing, keep watering, keep dreaming, keep praying, keep rooting, keep planning, keep uh, meeting in small groups, keep the life decisions focused, keep reading your Bible, keep focused on Jesus, keep praying, keep saving, keep working, keep doing the right choices, keep making those things day in and day out. John Maxwell, who's one of the greatest speakers of our time, in my opinion, said improvement doesn't happen in a day but it must be daily. Like it doesn't just, improvement doesn't happen in just a day. It's, you just got to do it daily. It's going to happen at one point, but you got to keep on going. Keep on going. You cannot change, have it changed by tomorrow. So many of us want to live drive-through faith and drive-through lives, and we want everything right there. And we don't have it that way. We spent most of our life being a brick, and then we want to be something completely different the next day. It's not how it works time in and time out. Number three, you ready for number three? Ready? Ready? Number three, enjoy momentum. Enjoy momentum. Anybody like momentum? Okay. It's interesting to me, and I also want to, want to show you before uh, we get to steady progress. Look at what Jesus said here. The kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed uh, on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe 
At once, he puts the sickle because the harvest come. Notice that he took a drastic action, and then he gave time in order to get that. Number three, enjoy momentum. It's interesting that Elisha eventually comes to a place where slow and steady, he's been filling up his whole life with these small decisions, doing the small things, and then he comes to a dramatic place of momentum. Remember what Newton said? That there are, the things are at rest, stay at rest. But what's that second part? Can you drop back there real quick for us, Melinda? I probably should have put it back in. What's the second part? Or in uniform motion, in a straight line, unless compelled to change uh, its state by the action of an external force. So that is the second part about a straight line. Now, I have, some, I have something else I want to show you here, which I, I've seen, and I practiced it, so hopefully it'll be right. See, I told you I'm like Bill Nye, the science guy. All right, there we go. All right, so we're looking at that second part that is there. And did you know that the space shuttle, when it takes off, uses more, used more fuel to take off than it does the rest of the flight altogether? Why? Because it's got to break out of its brick self. The space shuttle does not want to take off. It wants to be idle and lazy, like everything else in the universe. It's only when it becomes in motion, then it can soar. And so I want to show you the second part, an inertia in motion. And I have a couple things here. I have something that was very popular at the beginning of 2020, toilet paper roll, all right? I have a tray, I have a glass of water, and I have the incredible egg. All right? Everybody good? Like, what is he doing? All right. So... I have this uh, cup of water, I have this egg, this tray here. Now, the toilet paper is providing support for the egg. And the force is being applied below, and it's holding it up in the air. Everybody see that? And, um, of course, they're staying at rest, the first law. They're at rest. It will stay there for thousands of years until something is done to it, Correct? And they're not going in its own. And the egg, let me ask the egg. Egg, do you want to go anywhere? And the egg says, no, I don't want to go anywhere, right? The egg doesn't want to go anywhere. Doesn't want to do anything. Okay. Now, if I apply force to this, what do you think will happen? Are you getting nervous where you're sitting, Elijah? Okay. So, I'm going to apply force, I'm going to take away the support that keeps them idle, and the egg should not follow the tray or tube, key term, should not, but it should fall straight in line, because objects in motion stay in motion, and they do so in what? A straight line. Are you ready? Are you ready? Ready? Are you ready? Everybody sit? There you go. Thank you very much. I saw it on Ellen. All right, so. Um, this is what's possible for every person if we make the right decisions, like Elijah. Eventually, you come to a place where the right things have been set in place and just continue to keep moving. And at times, it's hard to get off the ground. 
At times we're like that egg that we just barely can get there. At times our lives feel more like the brick than anything else. And we feel like if anything else comes our way, we're going to just soar out into oblivion. But if we continue to do the right things and to be in the right place and to be in, and, and make the right choices, we're going to be able to keep going. Here's the overview. It's difficult to do drastic action, isn't it? It's difficult to burn the ships. It's difficult to take the, the oxen and kill them and slaughter and say goodbye. It's difficult for that. It's hard to keep steady progress when you're not seeing anything but dirty hands and washing them every day. Because see, when we take drastic action, it sometimes is unbearable to take drastic action. Other times, when we are doing steady and steady and steady and we call it boredom, it, we get uncomfortable. I know I do. But once we get to the phase when we can enjoy some momentum, we become another U-word, unstoppable in Jesus' name. Now, I don't have a nice way to wrap this up except for one thing to tell you something about momentum. Since it's like an ongoing sermon, a long one that's divided up. But I did a series about this running with the big dogs. Remember that? And when you base it off of this verse from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, and when we see therefore, we've got to find out what it's. Amen. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured a cross, scorning his shame, and then what did he do? He sat down at the right hand. God the Father. That's where our momentum is in him and in the great cloud of witnesses. And it's only through him that when we have these crises, we aren't going to be the, we're, we're, going to, we're going to be completely the same as we were last year, as we were five years ago, as we were uh, several months ago, if and only if we go ahead and continue with the same pattern, continue with the same things, and do, do all the same stuff. Michelle, you want to grab that and I'll put that down here? We'll put it down on the bottom. All right? There we go. All right, so I'm going to ask that you stand as we close out today. Close out in worship. You're like, what in the world did I just see? All right? God, let's just talk to God right now because, uh, because I got to tell you, I'm a brick. Anybody a brick? I'm a brick and I'm, I'm an egg supported by toilet paper. And there are so many times in my life where um, I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. Anybody like that? Or other times, I just want to move to the biggest domino. I just want it all to fall. There you go. Or I got God moving me, and I feel like a, like a messed up brick. I'm good for nothing anymore. Anybody else like that? And so I just stay in my broken brick self, 
or I just hang out being an egg and griping about why my life's not changed, why it's no different. Now, why does Elisha have all the fun? You know, I like reading about Elisha. I like reading about his 28 miracles. But guess what? There's not one miracle unless he burns the oxen. There's not one miracle unless he follows. There's not one miracle unless for 18 years he cleans Elijah's hands. That's gross. Right? But slow and steady. He got there. And then that day when that fiery chariot came before and he went up and that mantle soared down he went there and said I don't know I've been washing hands but I saw him and I'm just going to pray God where's the God of Elijah there and he did what he saw displayed for him and the water split and people said oh look at him He's, wasn't he that washing hands boy wasn't he old Shaphat's boy no, 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 he's Elisha. And the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of God, now rests on him. 18 years of his life. And many thought were wasted. Set the point for the momentum that he would do double the miracles that Elijah did. Many of us have been resting on other people's toilet paper rolls. We have. Maybe it's time that God wants to move the tray out and see where we go. Maybe it's not that job that you think is holding you up. Maybe it's not that. Maybe that's the toilet paper pillar. Maybe it's not the relationship that's holding you up. Maybe it's not the weakness. A lot of us like to take whatever weaknesses we have and say, that's what I have and so I can't move. I can't do that. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just the fact that Everything in the universe, including us, like to be idle. Maybe God is saying, God never wanted his church to be idle. You know that? Do you remember what he said? One little word, go. Go is a drastic action when you're a brick, when you're an egg, when you're a Jack Cohen. Right? Jesus is saying to you today, go. Come, follow me, and I will change the world in your drastic action, in your steady repetition. And then when I increase it with the momentum, oh, what great ministry you'll do. Amen? Let's just worship him because this song, a lot of times as a brick, it ain't well with me. But I need to be a better brick. So let's pray and go ahead. Let's worship. His voice seems that I. 
are shaken and stirred and become and broken for my regard. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And through it all, through it all, it is well.
well have a unbrick week and may you enjoy have a have a, a great week god bless we'll see you next week <laughs>